When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Carmen Report wherever you get your podcasts. You're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A M P I R E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. As you can tell, I'm out here in my little hostage room out at um, the commander's facility. We're out here for the rookie minicamp, but things have changed because there was some big news today. And I'll get to the rookie minicamp in a minute, but let's start with the sizable, significant news that came out around 4.15 this afternoon. And that was that the Snyders have entered into an exclusive agreement to sell the team to the group led by Josh Harris for $6.05 billion. Now they've entered into a 90 day window to get NFL approval or else then if it, if they don't, then it goes back out, but that's where they're at. So don't worry about what could go wrong because they're in a really good spot right now. It's a significant, significant step folks. Um, the meetings, the next owner's meetings will take place May 22nd, 23rd in Minnesota. Now I was told that they're not with the owners will be updated on the situation at that time and that a vote would occur in the coming months. So there's zero guarantee that it would take place there. And because there's still a lot more work to get done to get this to the place where they are going to vote on approval of this situation. They still, there are at least 12 limited partners on the release that I received from about this move. There were 12 names listed as limited partners with the Harris group and that it was listed as amongst others. So all those limited partners have to be vetted by the NFL and you, they still need to make sure that any legal issues with Snyder, with Dan Snyder are taken care of from the league standpoint, that they're not, that he's not going to do anything there that, that they're going to worry about. And, and, you know, but I think entering into an exclusive agreement is a pretty damn good place to be for all involved. Um, I was told that, you know, a lot of people ask about the indemnification. I was told with the Harris group that they, that there's, they're not going to indemnify Snyder outside of the normal course of a sale. In other words, so as part of this, you're buying the stadium, you're buying the facility. Once you buy it and something happens at the stadium, well, Josh Harris is on the hook for that. They can't go back to Snyder and do it. Just like if you bought a house and two weeks later, the HVAC breaks down, it's on you. And I know that because that happened to me. Anyway, that aside. Um, so, but with the legal stuff, they, they were not going to, my understanding was that that was not going to be part of any sort of an agreement with the Harris group. So, you know, and I think the Mary Jo White thing still hangs over the situation, of course. And um, that's a big, that was a big thing for the NFL and, and making, you know, anyways, so still more work to be done, but it's in a significant, uh, this was a significant step. So it's in a really good spot. This is something that I know a few people have been, myself included, have been hearing that that an announcement could be coming very, very soon. Now, I will say there have been other times where I know a lot of people jumped the gun a little while, a month and a half ago. Um, 
even during that time, the people I talked to are like, no, it's not there yet. No, it's not there yet. And there are other times where they were maintaining that. Well, this week, the same people were saying, I think there may be something this week. And, you know, it was one of those within the next week and it could be any, any time. And I heard that not just from the Harris group, but also from people with, with the commanders. So <clears throat> that's where we're at with that. So that, so that's, that was obviously they knew what was coming, but um, here we are. There's still, again, there's work to be done, but you can feel really good about where it's at. And you can feel, I think you can feel pretty good about this group. And I go back to, it's funny because I was just on with WTOP in Washington and they asked, where did it go wrong for Snyder? And my answer was at the beginning, because at the beginning, I remember a conversation that I had with an executive here after Snyder bought the team. He's like, you know, he, he was fairly, he had some optimism because, you know, he was, he loved the team and he had the money, blah, blah, blah. But he was afraid of how would he know how to put together a team? And the answer was no, he didn't, because he pl- tried to play fantasy football early on, but it was also who he surrounded himself with, the people that he trusted and listened to. And you talk to people who have known him for a long time and people who met him recently, and they all say the same thing, that he trusted the wrong people and it got him into trouble and it cost him what had been a pride and joy for him. And so I think with the Harris group, they're a professional, they have experience running a sport team. Dan did never had experience running a sports team really didn't have experience even playing it or being part of a team. And not that you have to necessarily, but I think you have to understand team dynamics. And that's not, not on the field. It's just dealing with people and dealing with people in an organization. And I look at a guy like Joe Gibbs. In fact, I'm going to read you this quote from him. And then um, let me let me read you this quote from, where is this quote? All right, it's a statement from Joe Gibbs about this. And I want to talk about Gibbs for a minute because I think it matters here. Anyway, Gibbs said, I've had the opportunity to get to know Josh Harris and the leadership team during this process and fully support his efforts to lead the new ownership group of the commanders. The NFL has grown a great deal since my time as a coach in this league, but what hasn't changed is my belief that with great leadership from the top, the drive to win on the field and a commitment to culture, championship teams are created. Josh and his team share these values, and I am committed to doing what I can to reconnect this great franchise with the community, fan base, and alumni. So that's, again, you look at Harris, they own, this, they own the 76ers, they own the New Jersey Devils. They have a lot of experience owning a sports owning sports teams. And so you understand the dynamics, you understand how to operate, you understand who you need to surround yourself to build a good organization. And the people I've dealt with in this group have been very top notch. So, you know, I think that's, that's going to put this in a good spot. Now, I'm happy for you guys, especially when this goes through for in, in the final terms, because again, it's, it's still got to get NFL approval. But I feel really good for you because I think one thing that I know from covering this team for so long is what people get tired of is you want a, this team used to be a source of massive pride for this area. I moved here in 1989 and my God, was it a big deal? Of course, you all know that. And what it meant to the community, what it meant to the fan base outside of Washington. So Tim Meek, I'm thinking, I'm think, thinking about you. Like you know, you're over in Indianapolis. You're rooting for this team because of what it meant to be a Washington Redskins fan. Well, that pride had fallen away, and you couldn't even root for it. You couldn't even feel it on the field because they didn't give you enough hope there. They didn't give you enough success there, or any success, enough success to to make you feel good. Well. Maybe the owner's like this, but at least you got this winning franchise. It wasn't that at all. It was you had to deal with this and you had to deal with this too. And that combination made it awfully tough. So I think you can at least when this goes, when this is when this is a done, done deal, then you I think you can feel like 
that's going to be run by in a professional way. Now, success, you're still going to have to build on that. But I think the the days of all these lawsuits and all this other stuff and the all the outside shenanigans will go by the wayside. And I think that's going to help this fan base start to grow back to what it was. And then you complete it by winning. That's what's going to have to happen. But the first step is this one. It's a significant one. And then the next step is getting NFL approval. And then you can start throwing your parades. Um, and so I think, but again, I think, you know, it's just, I've heard good things about the Harris group and about them as, you know, from people who are nonpartisans, um, I mean, about how they do their business, how they run the organization, things that they look for. One thing is, and it's funny because analytics is a big part of what they do. So I think I told you that before, but I don't know why I brought that up, but I just thought about it. The other part of it is the name. Don't get your hopes up for some early early review of the name. I know he'll be asked about it, but I wouldn't get your hopes up that there's going to be a big movement there by them to come in and do it. They're well aware of the most important thing they need to do is come in here and build a good organization. If they come in with the name as a top priority, to me, they're 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 not going to succeed because it's not the most important thing here. But I can tell you, they know that. Did you know the largest ropes course in Zipline Park in the country is right here in the DMV. Located in the heart of Montgomery County, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring combines climbing and zip lining to create an aerial obstacle course unlike any other. With challenges anywhere from 10 to 75 feet in the air, there is something for all skill levels. Looking for some family time or the perfect date night before football season starts? You can even climb and zip line under the stars. Would you rather keep your feet on the ground? Give axe throwing a try. With their projector systems, you can throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect four, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's KIME, K-E-I-M, 23DC. So there you have it, folks. Climbing, ziplining, axes, food, and bonfires right in your backyard. The weather is warming up, so it's the perfect time to head outside and join the adventure at www.theadventurepark.com. That's www.theadventurepark.com and enter promo code KIME23DC. What I came here to do today is talk about the rookie minicamp. And I was going to have on uh, a guest to help talk about it, but the day changed. So talked about that. Now I am going to talk about the rookie minicamp because you still want to know about them, don't you? And so I'm going to tell you about a little bit what I saw. It's hard to sit there and watch all these guys. People want to know about some of the undrafted or the tryout guys. I'm not watching the tryout guys to see what they're going to do. I'm focusing on the draft picks, the guys that I need to see and learn about right away. Tryout guys or the undrafted guys will watch them more in camp. Um, there are a couple of tryout guys that, um, you know, that, that were, I guess, paid more attention to because you think they may have a role and I'll get to some of those in a minute, but let's start with Emmanuel Forbes. The first thing that jumps out folks, he's got skinny legs, man, skinny leg dude. And you know, Hey, the weight is a part of his story. If he was, if he weighed 185 pounds, he's a top 10 pick and he's not here, but he has a skinny legs. He's a playmaker. So he's here. I, is it going to be an issue? Well, it, ha- it wasn't an issue in college. So will it be an issue here? I don't know. I don't, I'm, all I know is he played in the SEC. He was durable, didn't miss games, and he was productive. That's what I know. And I think he's going to be a similar guy in the NFL. The durability, you never know because anybody can get hurt. 
he's, he may not get hurt because he's skinny. He might get hurt because it's football. And I, everybody gets hurt at some point, whether you're big, small, whatever. But what? so what you look for are the traits. What do you see? Well, he was playing a lot inside today. And that was a little bit of a surprise because, you know, you view him as an outside corner, but he's playing inside. And, and I like to see that because you want to see how this guy handles it. To me, he's always ready to pounce on a play. And I think that's one thing he does very well. Now, he's going to have to watch that because teams will take advantage of that. But he does a good job kind of staying um, in it, when he's in his back pedal, staying in a crouch and ex- being ready to explode. And there was a play where he did pick off a pass. He, he was covering Kyrick McGowan, who was in the slot, comes across the middle, and Forbes is ready to pounce, and he cuts right inside, picks the ball off. Now, he's not facing NFL. He's not facing guys who are going to start in the NFL. But it was the traits and what he saw and the explosion that that really, to me, jumped out at that. So you take it for what it's worth. It's a nice play in a rookie minicamp practice by the 16th overall pick. Um, he, a couple plays later, similar thing where he goes and he breaks up a pass to the tight end. There were a couple of times it looked like he got tripped up by some of that aggressiveness. And that's something he's going to have to watch. There was one time the receiver cuts inside, turns up. And, you know, he got a little bit beat. Ball goes the other side. Another time he got turned around a little bit by that. So that's something he's going to have to work on. But the kid can play. And actually, the one time when he got turned around, the, one of the coaches yelled out to him like, well, that was a little different. But the kid, is a, he's a smart kid. I talked to him afterwards for about 10, 11 minutes. And he comes across very smart, understands what he's doing out there. And that's one of the things Ron Rivera talked about when we spoke to him before practice is what he learned is like the level, the kind of questions he asks in the meetings and the things that he brings up, the insight, the, what he sees is different. And so that's why he makes, that's partly why the kid makes plays. And so um, how many times can I use the kid? But that's why Emmanuel makes a lot of plays. And anyway, that's it on him. Number two, Eric Bienemy. My God, his presence is going to be felt. If you come out to a practice, you'll feel his energy, his presence. There was one time, so Chris Rodriguez is going through drills with the running backs, individual drills, kind of high-stepping, getting the ball knocked out, and he messed—he kind of messed up on one little part, so he stops. Well, on these things, the running backs are taught, you got to finish. You got to finish every run. He didn't finish. He heard about it because Eric Benemy saw it and barked from about 40 yards away. Um, Shit happens. You got to go finish. So he finished. Um, another time, Benemy yells out, I can't play if I don't know the snap count. Now, clearly he can't play anyways because he's older. But the, the message was to the other players, you don't know the snap count, you're not going to play another time. Huddle was a little bit sloppy. Players and centers weren't connected. So he yelled at the players to get up there. But he also yelled at the center, Nolan Laufenberg, one of the veteran guys like McGowan, those one-year guys allowed to come out. He yells at Laufenberg to take control of the huddle. So he there is the demand. And one thing Rodriguez talked to us about afterwards was his attention to detail and some of whether it's the route running or just on on and the drill or anything like that, just where the where you have to hold the ball, et cetera. All those details are things that he's going to harp on with Rodriguez. He's another one I paid attention to. And you could see it like when he's going through some of these drills, it's you're not getting a feel for him running through the hole and all that. But just on some of the drills, they want to get a little bit lower with that shoulder level to protect the ball a little better and make him a more effective power running. Because let me tell you, folks, guys, he's he's got he's very solid. He's built very solid. It's like 5'11", 224 pounds. If you looked at the roster that I tweeted online, it says 244. He's 224, and he's every bit of 224. It's a solid, solid dude as a running back. Um, <clears throat> so he was. I saw him running some routes today, and it's hard for me to say like, "Oh, he looked good running routes," because we didn't. Really, I didn't really see him catch the ball. Um, and one time he ran a wheel route, but the linebacker st- was right there with him. 
But, uh, you know, the other thing he did admit that he was a little bit gassed. And he I noticed this during practice because during the individual drills, and this is something I, you know, I learned just in talking to Rivera that one of the things he would watch at pro days, for example, is how these guys are in line. Like, are you, if you're second in line, are you always second in line? Are you sometimes falling back? Well, he was falling back at times. Sometimes he'd be first, sometimes he'd be second. One time I saw him just kind of after one drill, he kind of was crouching down, getting some water. And then he ended up going last because he needed to take a breath. And he admitted later, he's like, he goes, he told me, he goes, I worked out on Monday thing. And then I thought I'd save my body for later in the week. But it turns out that it left him a little bit gas. It's almost like if you ever played basketball, though, to me, those first three minutes of a game, you're just kind of expending a lot of energy. And that fourth minute, you get a little bit gassed. Well, I think he hit that fourth minute. He got a little bit gassed, but he recovered and he was fine and he learned his lesson, but it was something he was kind of laughing a little bit about afterwards, just because you learned a lesson right away. Uh, KJ Henry and Andre Jones paid attention to them a little bit. I think that's sometimes um, hard to always focus on them because of your angle that where we're standing, you're, you know, sometimes you'd be behind the play, but I want, I did watch with, uh, I talked to KJ Henry after his tall, um, narrow shoulders, but has some length. I, you know, I think I talked to Jordan Reed about him, ESPN, ESPN NFL draft analyst, going to play that I think on Monday. Uh, and so, but one of the things he said, and I think I can see it, that he goes, he thinks he doesn't have a high, high ceiling, but I do think there could be a higher floor for him, especially as a fifth round pick. Um, but it's hard to say, like, you don't really get a feel for some of the moves and he's not facing NFL tackles at that point. Whereas Jones and Andre Jones, the seventh round pick on the other side was facing Braden Daniels. And that looked like a pretty good matchup. Again, it's hard to always, I'm going to give you a minor, minor impression because it's hard. You have to really kind of watch the play, watch the footwork. And from the angles where that I'm standing, it's hard to always see that. But there were a couple of times, a couple of times I saw Daniels, I one time saw him stun him a little bit on a, on a run, on a run play to the outside. And then saw a couple of times it looked like Jones. One time it looked like he got him, crossed him up a little bit coming back inside. One time I saw Daniels react pretty well. He is a good athlete. I think that's his strength. So I, you saw that too. But need to pay it a lot more attention, a lot closer attention to him. Same with the Ricky Stromberg. When you know when you're facing the guys that you're gonna, you know, I want to see them against the physical action. Right. That's where you really learn about them. Um, but so you'll, you'll we'll get more on them later. And then Quan Martin was not here today. He was excused, had to deal with some personal family issues that are going on. So he was not here. So we didn't get to see him. Um, and then the other, the one undrafted guy that I wanted to bring up is, um, Casimir Allen, the, cause he, he could factor in as a, as a kick returner. He's from UCLA, smaller guy, but has some quickness and, but he's just smaller. That's it. But he's, but he's not, when I talk about him, Emmanuel Forbes being small, it's skinny. Uh, Allen is just short, but he's built okay. And, you know, I think he's someone who's going to be interesting to watch. How does he factor in that return game? So anyway, that, those are my early impressions. Wanted to still do that, even though there's a big day with the Josh Harris situation. Uh, and, you know, there you go. So I'll be back on Monday with, I believe... Unless some something else develops over the weekend, I'll be back with ESPN draft analyst Jordan Reed as we go over all the draft picks. And would he have taken a quarterback when Will Levis was there at 16? Talk to you next time.